Best of Us Investors presents Kerry Griegmeier. I have the distinct honor this evening to interview a legend of the investment world, a hero of mine, someone that I sought out uh, to learn more from. His name is Jim Rogers. If you're under 50 years of age, you probably don't know who Jim is, but you should. So after you see this video, we're going to do it in two parts, I believe, because there's just a lot I want to cover with him, and we're going to probably spend close to an hour with him. Jim uh, came to the forefront back in, I guess it was uh, 1973, when he and a, another unknown, uh, George uh, Soros, started what is called the Quantum Fund. Between 1970 and 1980, the Quantum Fund returned a total of uh, 4,200% to its investors. So he and George became very noted. They did another thing that caused them some notoriety, and I believe it was around 1992, they did a short on the British pound. And as a result, they profited as the British pound came down and collapsed relative to the U.S. dollar. They profited over a billion dollars. So, so uh, Jim doesn't have to do much of anything that he doesn't want to do. Uh, he and uh, his, I believe it was his second wife, actually got on motorcycles at one point and spent a year touring the road. Then he followed up and did something very similar, I believe it was with his third wife, in a converted uh, Mercedes. So he's traveled the world. He basically believes that if you were living in England a um, uh, hundred years ago, you should have moved to the United States. And now he says with, uh, and in the two, 2000s, he moved, he and his family, to uh, Singapore. He believed that the growth of the world was going to happen in Asia. And I think it's panned out pretty much that it, the way he thought it would. I remember he once, and I'll mention this in the video, I'm sure, he said that he wanted his children to learn Mandarin. So, Let's take a look and uh, enjoy this with uh, Jim Rogers. But you did make a comment that was not lazy, and that was that you try to find something that nobody else likes, that everybody else think it stinks, and doesn't want any part of it, and that's what you, that's what you buy. Give me an well, example currently of a stinky stock that you'd like to own. Uh, well, first of all, I have learned over the years that if it's ignored, it's probably cheap because nobody's buying it. Uh, doesn't mean you should buy it. Uh, I, I'm not going to give you the name of any stock, Kerry, because I have learned over the years that people will go and buy it just because they saw some guy on the Internet who's buying it. Uh, yeah. I mentioned to you Russia. Uh, I, re I bought yesterday, uh, probably today as well, uh, a Russian shipping company. But okay. Russia's hated. Shipping's hated. Many things are hated uh, around them. One port? They, they only have a port in, um, in St. Petersburg. Where do they ship from? No, you please get out a map. I don't see one there, but get out a map. The whole, the whole uh, east coast of Russia is on the Pacific Ocean. The gigantic, gigantic shoreline on the east coast. 
Siberia out there. Go, go east, young man, and you will see staggering opportunities and lots of seafood, lots of seafood. What are they? I I don't know of anything in the United States that I have ever bought that is Russian. What are they shipping? Then don't. Russia is the largest country in the world by a factor of through two or three or four times. I don't know how big it is compared to Canada, but it's huge. Um, they have one of the largest, they are probably now the largest oil uh, exporter in the world, for instance. They are a huge uh, agricultural nation. You know, every day I own a Russian fertilizer company, for instance. Every day Russian farmers wake up and say, Thank you, Mr. Trump. Thank you, Mr. Trump, because the Americans put sanctions on Russians. Well, that means Russian agriculture is booming, booming. They love Trump. You know, he's making them rich with these absurd sanctions that he's imposed. So they're huge. If you read Russian history or Russian novels, you know at times they've been gigantic agricultural uh, nations and aristocrats. Oh, they have a lot of stuff. Well, agriculture and, and energy. They certainly have a lot of that going. They're not. I think, they're, I think they're the largest supplier of oil to China, aren't they? Uh, uh, probably. They're certainly. I think they are the largest oil producer in the world right now, even larger than the U.S. at the moment. Okay. Even larger than Saudi Arabia. And larger than Saudi Arabia at the moment. Okay. I have heard, and, and with your knowledge in Russia, I'd be interested in this that one of the reasons that Trump and Putin get along so well and why Putin wanted Trump to be president is Russia, Putin it fears China invading them. And he needs an ally on the United States to, because China needs their oil and some of their natural resources. But if that was the case once upon a time, I don't think it is now. Unfortunately, America is pushing China and Russia closer and closer and closer together. And remember that map I asked you to look at? When you look at it, you're going to say, yeah. oh, my God, I don't, I don't want to go to war with those two together. Oh, my God, there's no way we can win that war. Uh, it's gigantic, gigantic uh, landmass natural resources, population, and everything. No, we are pushing Russia. And I mean, I hate to see it. I sit here and watch it. And I say, what's wrong with those guys? But they're pushing Russia and China closer and closer together every day. Because hmm. we're, we're angry at them. We're angry at a lot of people, including Russia, including China. So they're getting closer and closer together. And Iran, pushing Iran together with them as well. Well, that brings me to... Um what I was doing earlier this evening, and that was watching the, the vice presidential debate. And uh, I doubt if you saw that. Um, uh, what happens in your mind with your international experience and, and uh, knowledge if Trump wins, if Biden wins? Well, Kerry, you're old enough to know that if Trump wins, his friends are happy. And if Biden wins, his friends are going to get paid. I'm, I'm more worried. I'm not worried about their friends. <laughs> I, we, you ask what's going to happen. The first and the most important thing is 
They're going to scratch the backs of their friends and they're all going to get more and more and more money and whatever their friends want, that's what they're going to get. And I don't like saying it, but that's the truth of American politics. Um, I mean, but certainly, yeah, certainly. Well, yeah, we're talking about America right now, yeah. but certainly American politics. Um, and that, unfortunately, is what's going to happen. Uh, Mr. Biden says he's going to raise taxes, and if he gets Congress, he will raise taxes. Uh, Mr. Trump says he won't raise taxes. I mean, these are things that we know will happen depending on who wins. Um, Mr. Biden says he's going to spend more. <laughs> Mr. Trump says he's going to spend more. Uh, it's not good for my children. It's not good for my children, but both are going to do it. Okay, let me challenge you on that. When I when I was growing up, uh, and you were growing up, we incurred a tremendous debt, or our parents did, from World War II, and it was all. And then uh, Ike came in, and he built the highway system, and we incurred a lot of debt building highways, airports, and that was what got us to the fourth trillion dollars worth of debt that we had in 2000. We've never paid any of that off. Well, let's go back to the Second World War first, and then I'll come to the second. Um, going into the Second World War, we had staggering amounts of savings because of the depression that had gone before. So America had a big, big, big pile of savings, which could be borrowed and was borrowed and used to pay off the, the debt. And we had very little uh, use of productive capacity because of the, uh, the, the depression. So we borrowed a lot of money from ourselves because we had a lot of savings, huge amounts of say, poor savings, but we had them. And after the war, we paid down that debt, mainly, not all, not all of course, but we paid mainly paid it down with the savings we had raised and with the economy, which boomed after the war, we had all this extra capacity, so we didn't have to worry about inflation and lots of other things. And we became the suppliers of the world. Yes, well said, well said. So it's not the same as 2020 by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, now, then, uh, in the under Eisenhower, we started building the interstate highway system, which, and he wanted that because he realized, oh my God, there's no infrastructure in this country. Right. We better get some infrastructure. He, he realized what he saw in Germany. Well, and, and also what he saw when he tried to move troops in the U.S. Right. You know, right. Almost impossible, okay, except by train. There were no highways to, right. to move troops, and he saw it in Germany the Autobahn. So we started building, and since then, we have now become the largest debtor nation in the history of the world. Right. Not as a percent of our GDP, but the numbers are just staggering, and they go up every day. Now, you say we don't have to pay it off. Well, that's good to know, but, <laughs> but Kerry, every country in history that's gotten itself into this situation, now, a, a hundred years ago, Britain was the richest, most powerful nation in the world. 50 years later, Britain went bankrupt. Bankrupt. 1976, the IMF had to fly into Heathrow Airport and bail out Britain, which 50 years ago had been the single richest, most powerful country in the world. Okay, you can tell us we don't have to pay it off, but maybe you're gonna pay off the debt, but history shows it doesn't work that way. 
eventually you pay the piper. Yeah, Britain still hasn't paid off all that debt, but they went bankrupt, staggering. The country's been in decline. They're no longer in the top 25 to certainly no longer in the top 10. No. They're still there. They're having a wonderful time. But the standard of living in the UK compared to what it was 100 years ago relative is absurd. Hmm. Uh, no, I mean, you can say we don't have to pay enough. Good news, good news. That means when the creditors come knocking on the door, but we're going to send Who are the creditors? Send them to Kerry. Who? who are we're going to send them. We're going to send them to you when the creditors come looking to but get who paid. Who are the creditors? Who's, who's going to call that money due? Who's going to say, the only way I can see it happen is that, that China stops buy, borrow, buying our treasuries. And they say, we don't need the American dollar anymore. We're going to isolate and we're going to survive on our own. And we don't need the American dollar and the, the, their currency becomes the, the standard, which I don't think can happen. Well, I don't know how it's going to happen, but somebody's going to replace the dollar unless you think that, it's, that the history has stopped now and we're never going to have any changes in the world's reserve currency. I mean, it's good to know. I mean, it's happened for thousands of years. But now Kerry's telling us more. That don't You don't have to pay the I'm merely asking questions. I want between you and I to figure this out. <laughs> I told you, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be the Chinese currency. It's the only one I see on the horizon. But right now, it's a blocked currency. It's, it's madness to say the Rin, I own Renminbi, but to say it's going to become, how can you say, how could I say that at this stage in 2020 of world history? But uh, who owns the debt? Call up the treasury. They, they publish it all the time. There are lots of foreigners, lots of Americans, lots of Americans who own the debt. Now, if you're saying, don't worry, they don't have to pay it. Well, that's good news for them. But what about the, what about the creditors? What about all those insurance companies and banks? And the, the largest holder of American debt is the American population. Uh, my Social Security is is the largest holder of the single holder of debt. Um, do you? By the way, do you collect Social Security from the United States government living in Singapore? Yeah, I'm an American citizen. I paid Social Security for decades. I didn't know. I just was wondering. All American citizens, if they turn 65, okay. automatically, I don't think you can stop it. <laughs> Unless you, even if you drop dead, they'll still pay you if you don't tell them. You. I remember an Al Alfred Hitchcock or show where they they'd invite people into their home and then they'd bury them in the basement and just keep keep collecting the Social Security check. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, if you die, Carrie, let me know, and I'll collect your Social Security, you know? I'll have it transferred to your account. Um, please, please. But I, my point is, all the creditors want to get paid. Yeah. You say they're huge debtors, and they're, so, but it doesn't matter. You, are you going to say that the banks and the insurance companies and the endowments and the trusts and all the, the, the old people don't have to get paid? No, I'm We just, don't I'm want to hear they'll just, that. They'll just keep printing money. Well, that's different from getting account. paid. But and, and the Russian, as soon as they put it on my phone, they don't have to print it. Well, Russia kept printing. The Soviets owed a lot of pensions to a lot of people, uh, but then they they paid them. They paid them. They got all kinds of rubles. They were worthless, but the pensioners still still got paid. Okay. You're going to get paid. I mean, I hope. I hope. 
you live long enough that you don't have to see this. Um, but I like I, you. I do, but I know my children are going to have to see it. My, my I problem hope. is I got grandchildren. <laughs> well, okay. Same, same age as my children. I have a 12-year-old and a 17-year-old. Yeah. They're going to see it. I wish they weren't, but I know they are. And if you're telling me that, they, that they're not going to get paid, I'm going to go tell them right now. <laughs> Happy, do you know you're not going to get paid? Carrie has decided they're just not going to pay you. Don't put that on me, Jim. <laughs> but you said we owe it to ourselves. And I said, so we don't have to pay it? Well, that's not going to make many people happy. No. And that's why I, 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 I'm, I'm puzzled. I was hoping you'd give me the answer. I'm not puzzled. I'm not puzzled. I know how it's going to end up. It's going to end up the same way Britain ended up, same way France before, same way Spain before, just same way many countries have ended up in history. What percentage of your assets are in precious metals then? Well, I don't know. Uh, and the reason I don't know, Kevin, uh, is I don't have a committee I have to answer to. It's just me and my money. You know, you think I sit around every week and say, oh, how much money do I have here and there? Yeah, oh, my God. A lot of people say 10%. Um, that seems low to me if we are. In First of all, I want you to see. I got some gold right here in my pocket. Um, I got some pocket? Right, right here in my pocket. I always have some silver and gold in my pocket. You never know when you might need some silver and gold. You can't buy an apple at the grocery store with a gold coin. If everything else is closed down, I assure you he's going to take it. He may not take the paper money, but he'll take the silver. Take he the knows. If he knows what it yep. is, he will. Well, okay. that's why I have gold coins, because they're easily recognized and easily transportable. Uh, yeah, if I take a block of gold in there, you guys going to say, well, how do I know it's real? And how do I make change? And I can't make change. <laughs> you know? give, me, give me that block of gold and I'll give you six loaves of bread. I'll give you six bread you want, uh, with well, no change. As you said, it's, oh. not, it's not going to be you and I's problem. <laughs> well, no. Now, this might be our problem uh, because I would expect that the U.S. dollar is going to be very strong as more and more turmoil comes because people don't know what else to do and they look for a safe haven yeah. when there's turmoil in the US dollar at the moment. The reason I own a lot is because people are gonna think it's a safe haven. Now, what will probably happen is it'll get overpriced. Might turn into a bubble. If it turns into a bubble, of course, we'll have to sell. You always have to sell a bubble. Yeah. And then, then what do I do? Maybe gold, maybe, I mean, silver's cheaper than gold right now. But it's climbing quick. I think it doubled in the last month and a half. Yeah, but it's still down. It's still it's still down fifty five percent from its all time yeah. high. Yeah. So so gold the silver is much cheaper than gold yeah. right now. Historic historic. I own both. I'll buy more silver. I'm not buying any right now. I'm waiting for you know, right now a lot of people are being forced to sell their gold and silver to buy rice, to buy food. Um, so I I I hope I get when the Correction continues for a while. I plan to buy more gold and silver, especially silver. That was something I just read in, in um, today's Wall Street Journal, is that the food crisis is the worst it's ever been. There are more people who can't feed themselves than there ever been in the history of mankind. And um, at the same time, 
we have an economy. We have we have five stocks over here that are going through the roof, um, and 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 people just can't get enough of them. And then there are people who do, who, who who can't feed themselves. That's the system's broken, Jim. When that happens, Carrie. I can see you're old enough to know that the system's broken. <laughs> what is wrong with you? You haven't figured this out yet? Oh, I figured. I just don't know what to do about it. <laughs> well, I have to leave that to you. Nobody should invest except in what they know about. I've told you I'm buying gold. I'm buying silver. I'm buying some Chinese shares, Russian shares. I'm, I'm, I'm doing some things. Who knows if I'm doing it right or not? And, and my investments, quite honestly, are... are, are I believe the gold of the future is data. And uh, so my biggest holdings are Amazon, Google, Apple, Microsoft, the people who own the data, because I think they are going to control my world in the future. Why are you complaining about it? It's only five stocks. You're the problem. Actually, you I own only own, actually, I only own seven. I also own Square because I think the banking system is going to collapse. And I own Tesla because I think we're all going to be driving driving electric cars very soon. And not that I think Tesla is going to dominate the car scene. They own the data. They've got the millions of miles, and they'll sell that. So, well, Carrie, you've answered the the, the question. Then you you know what to own, and you're the problem. You're the reason that only seven stocks are going up in the world. I would agree, um, but I don't own any ETFs. Well, you don't have to own ETFs. No, I don't. But many people do because they're very simple. Yeah, yeah. They can go to work and not worry about it and let somebody else make the decision for them. Now, let me go back to that statement, though. When the bear market comes, the stocks you just mentioned are going to be absolutely obliterated and destroyed and that's for the reasons right, we discussed that's right now that's why right now i'm at 50 percent cash and i'm contemplating uh before apple or before october the 26th when google has their earnings report i'll probably liquidate that and facebook as well i leave that to you good okay jim this has been great I am glad I finally got to meet you. If you ever come to visit your brother and he throws you out, I live about three miles away from him. Um, and so you got another place to sleep. We got four extra bedrooms. I, I still have two brothers who live in Alabama and God knows how many cousins who live in Alabama. You know, my, my family went to Alabama before it was a state. They've been there that long. Really? Uh, you yeah. were born though in Baltimore. Well, I was born during the Second World War. My father, being a good patriotic American, was an officer in the army, and he happened to be in Baltimore. And my mother, a good wife, was following him. Okay. And he happened to be in a fort in Baltimore when I came out. But he was from Alabama and his family for decades. Okay. Well, my father was in the Navy, and I was conceived on a leave. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can figure that out. Oh, I guess it's very easy. <laughs> well, I, I, I was conceived when my father was home. I know that. But my mother was going with, with him uh, while he was being stationed from one fort to another okay. in the United States. All right. So and that's why I was born in my 
So you are an Alabamian by birth or by in, yeah. in reality. Yeah. As soon as the war was over, we went back to Alabama. Uh, two, three of my brothers, three of my brothers were born in Alabama. Uh, and as I say, many cousins, the, the, the Rogers family cemetery is in Alabama. Okay. I, my, I already know where I'm going to be buried. I can show you the spot. If you ever want to visit, yeah. okay. if you ever want to visit the Rogers family cemetery, I'll show you where I'm going to be buried. Well, I'm going to be buried in Atlanta and I thought that would be expensive to get my body over there, but you, <laughs> you, you got a real cost. But, yeah, it's a long way. I've told my wife she doesn't have to come to the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Do it by Zoom. Do it by Zoom. Okay. There you go. There you go. Jim, thank you. Thank you. And my I pleasure, Carrie. I hope we can do this another time. And I hope I don't see you at my funeral. I hope I see you before. Oh, I'll be oh okay. That would mean I outlived you. Good enough. Very Bye. good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was our hour with Jim Rogers. I've got to say it was a lot of fun for me. Um, it was like sitting down. If we'd both had a glass of wine, it would have been nice. And just talking, talking, investing with somebody my own age, drawing from his experiences. As you can see, he's, he's very flamboyant. He's, he's very honest. He's very straightforward. And if you don't take anything else from these two videos, let it be that um, invest in what you know. And if you don't know it, don't invest in it. I'm going to try to get some interviews with CEOs of some smaller companies so that we can get to know, like Jim says, um, invest in companies that other people don't know about. Invest in cheap companies while they're cheap and you gain knowledge that other people doesn't, don't know and, and get large large um, returns. This is a different part or different way for me to invest, but I want to explore it. So I'm going to be reaching out to small companies and I'm going to be arranging interviews with their CEOs and I'm going to offer, ask them some tough questions because if they give the right answers and they, they, they convince to me, me that they have something that someone else doesn't, that they have knowledge, they have experience, and I can trust them. I'm going to put some money in them to make some big money. So that was fun. We're going to do it again, Jim says, that I have an option to come back to him in the future, and I'm going to take him up on that. Tune in tomorrow for the next episode.